Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. It's so good to be in Victoria. How many people love to represent V-Town? Come on, where you at? Come on. How many people love the crossroads? Come on. Where you at, people? Come on. It's good to be here. Before I get going, I want to thank your pastors. How many of you guys love your pastors? Come on. And uh, I want to say happy belated birthday to you, sir. I heard a couple weeks ago, last week was your birthday. Come on. How many thankful that God planted Pastor Bobby and Victoria? How many thankful that? He's not building gyms and events anymore. He's building the kingdom now. And uh, he's building the kingdom so that you and I can come to a place like this, sit in a nice seat, come into the presence of God, have a life-changing God encounter moment, maybe get our marriages restored. Maybe our kids come back and, 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 and find God. Maybe our finances begin to open up. Maybe our mind begins to get healed. Maybe, maybe depression begins to break off our family from generation to generation. All because one man went to a house on 108 West Guadalupe Street, off of Main Street, behind that gas station, that my parents and I, we used to do, my parents got married when I was about 11, and um, don't worry, they didn't have me before they were married. We, you know, the blended family came together, you know? And um, I, I remember my parents used to do this all the time, and I was thinking about this week, and because I, I, I catch myself doing this a lot. And, and um, I remember my parents, when we were younger, we, there was four of us, and um, my dad was working, my mom was working, and we would always drive by this house because we could afford it and, and because we were living in this little house, and, and we would always just say, hey, that's our home. So we would drive by this house all the time, even though the money didn't line up, even though the situations were not just right, even though our, my parents' ducks were not in the row, they would drive by that, and they would just pray over that home. And they, and they would believe that, that God was going to use us in that home, believe God was going to give us that home. And, 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 and sure enough, I don't know if it was how long it was, and we got that home. And, and I remember today, like when I was praying this morning, I do that to this day, you know, because I'm a church planner. We're two and a half years old, and every time we move into a new space, I can't afford it. We can't afford it. We don't have the money. We don't have the people. And what I do now is I drive by these places, and I just pray over them. I believe for them. Uh, but isn't it amazing how uh, I think Pastor, we didn't know this, but last time I spoke, you know, Pastor Bobby, they used to, my, my parents used to send people in my room to pray over my room. Well, I was gone, you know, and I remember those Bible studies because I was going out or I was going somewhere and I had to walk through the middle of those Bible studies. It's the most awkward thing. You ever walked in an awkward room where you know everyone knows what you're doing and, and, and you know they're talking about you and, 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 and you know they're trying to stop you and you just kind of walk through and that, those were my moments on Thursday nights because that's when that Bible study was. But isn't it amazing that what God has done through this amazing couple what God is doing through their children. Uh, come on, let's stand up. Let's give it up for your pastors. Amazing, amazing, amazing people. Come on, sir. The great day. We love you. We honor you, sir. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, without your heart and your faith, this place would not be here. I know it's all God. We honor God and we're thankful. But without your obedience and your consistency and your fight, these people would not be here. So we honor you, sir. Thank you. You guys may be seated. Come on. Hey, I got my beautiful wife with me today. I think she's so hot and so fine. I mean, she only I can say that. And man, and let me tell you, she is um she is 18 weeks pregnant, and man, she is looking so good. I, 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 hey, babe, you want to stand up? Show off that baby bump. Come on, show them. Show them where it's at. Hey, but last time we were together, we gathered together almost a year ago. Uh, uh, we were believing for a child, and so my life is going crazy. It's changing. We're having a baby girl. Can you believe that? And um, I was shocked we were having a baby girl because I really wanted a baby boy. I mean, and, and my wife wanted one, and I agree with her because why? She's like, I want another one of you. And I'm like, that's why I love you. And, then, and she, she, she was like, I was like, we got to have a boy. We got to have a boy. And so we got a girl. And as soon as I found out I was a girl, this is what I did. And you, some of you, I know if you're religious, I'm not trying to, you know, 
get off track. So I know you probably think I should have turned on a message. I should have opened up the Bible. I, sh- I should have prayed over her right away. You know what I did first? It was late at night, and um, uh, we are laying in bed getting ready for church the next day because we had a baby reveal party on Saturday. And I get on YouTube on my phone, and, and I pull up the number one soccer female girl that's five years old in the world. I think she was from Brazil. And I put her out, and I'm checking her out, I'm scouting her out and everything. And I put that video on my wife's bump so my daughter can see her competition in five years. And that's just what we did. And so I'm, I'm scouting out the competition right now. But, hey, I'm super thankful my wife is here. And um, my baby girl is loving to hear her daddy preach. Come on. And my wife and I pastor a church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. How many people have been to Santa Fe? Come on. Um, our church is about two and a half years old. We're babies. We're barely learning how to crawl right now. Uh, we're still in diapers. You know what I mean? And uh, my wife and I moved there, just her and I. Just some, just a big old U-Haul. Didn't have any money. Didn't have any place to go. Didn't, didn't really know if anyone was going to come to our church. And there would be times we have interest nights. And we had this coffee shop downtown. And there was a hallway, and we'd set it up. All, my, all our church and all our staff and all our equipment fit in my car, me and my wife. So we were the set up. We set up. We tore down. We did everything, right? Um, and um, I would wait down the hallway, and it'd be like a Sunday afternoon at 630. And I would just see if anyone was going to come. You know, mind you, I didn't know anyone. And sometimes I see some potential people come like, man, they're coming to our thing. Get ready. Get everyone. This is me and my wife. And no one would show up. That's really rude, don't you think? And there would be times where no one would come through those doors. And we would be devastated. We would be like, man, did we pick the right city? We should have stayed in California because we knew hundreds of people. And, 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 and what, what's going on? And we would just be consistent. We would be consistent. And so then I'm just going to give you a brief summary of where, where, where we're coming from a little bit. And so there's this building in our city downtown. Have you ever been to Santa Fe? It's really arts town. It's, um, the culture is amazing there. Well, there's this building. It's about 15,000 square feet, 18,000 square feet. It's covered in graffiti murals. It looks amazing. And it's right in the middle of downtown. And, and so I was like, man, that'd be a cool place to have a church. So I'm like, whoa, I want to take my family there. I mean, come on. And, and so I was like, so I said, hey, how can we meet here? And so I found out because in Santa Fe, no schools in junior highs are allowed to rent to churches. They just don't like it. And there's only one theater in there. And another church was in that theater. So where are you supposed to go? And so I meet with the city officials and the board of downtown and, and, and they begin to tell me, uh, uh, why they don't want a church in the downtown area because there's never been a church in this area before. And, and I said, hey, look, you believe in nothing. Come on. I mean, you got friends like that. Uh, you believe in Buddha? You believe in reincarnation? And this is what we got in Santa Fe. Come on, you got to pray for me. We got tree huggers. You believe in hugging the trees? <laughs> and, and, and I said, you believe in this and that? And I believe in this. But I'm not trying to have a church to convince you to believe what I believe. I said, one thing we have in common here, and this is over three years ago, I said, we believe in people. And they looked at me like I was dumb. Like, I caught them off guard because they do believe in people. And so a month goes by and they approve for us to be in there. You know, every time we dismiss church, check this out, people. Come on, this is shock, some Texas people. There's this huge meal, probably as big as this whole wall back behind me, of a devil over a church, come on, I'm being serious. Every time we dismiss, I'm greeting people. This is what they see, the last thing they see. And, and the devil's burning the church. That was our meal in our lobby. Come on. And God, you know, over 700 people got saved in that building. And so, we, they try to double our rent and, and stuff, and we fix that place up, and we were there a year. I said, it's time to go. And so I got told no for about eight months. Can you believe people told me no? And I would go to location after location. Our, small t- our town is small. And so there would be people that wouldn't even rent to a church. And I would try to go around them and go to the very top. And, and there, would be, there would be no's and no's and no's and no's. So then finally we found this place. We were going we to check this out. We were going we to settle. We got to go to this place. And I'm on my way to sign the lease on the papers. I'm excited. I already told my church, rule number one, don't tell your church unless you sign it. I told you, we're still in diapers. I'm on my way. I get a call from the realtor. 
He's like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, I'm on my way to meet you so I can sign the papers. And he's like, I just want to let you know, the owners rent this place overnight to someone else. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, are you serious? Like, it's almost Christmas time. We have nowhere to go. We got to find a place to meet. Because we, we, God had blessed us. We had hundreds of people coming in. So it wasn't like I could just meet in a, in a living room or somewhere else or whatever. We had to find a place. And so I go across the street to this place. And this place, well, we like to say our lobby was a uh, Cracker Jack box. It was small. I was like, I don't know if we're going to make this work. But my team was excited about it. The reason why I moved into this place is because there's a furniture store about 12,000 square feet in front of us that, that the owner would tell me in about three to five years he would sell me the whole building. And we're on prime real estate, baby. You, you guys ever go to H-E-B Plus? Come on off in a row. Come on. You need to. Come on. You need to. That's like prime real estate, right? That's how our church is right now in our town. It's like prime real estate. So we pray. So every Saturday, I'm just giving you summarize. I know. Are you guys okay? Can I share your story with you? So every Saturday, I go to the church and I pray. I go over my messenger bunch and I preach to the most amazing people every Saturday. They don't fall asleep. They smile. They look the same way every single time I'm there. It's the empty seats. And I preach to them every Saturday. I've been doing it for over three years. Every Saturday, I'm there. And every Saturday night, I would pray over this wall. On the side of that wall was another 12,000 square feet. Mind you, in my contract, it doesn't say it's a three to five years. We were barely six months in. And because we were growing so fast, filling up two services, and God is just moving, I would pray and lay my hands on that wall every single Saturday. And I would speak it to my church. I would say, hey, the place we're in right now is our future kids' auditorium. They're like, whoa, we're barely filling this up with adults. You're thinking about putting kids in here. My church thinks I'm crazy. And I would confess that over six, seven months. And every Saturday, I'd pray over this wall. Even when the money didn't line up. See, I didn't have the $10,000 to put down when I went to sign the lease. 40 hours before, guess what? It came in. And then, and then I would pray over that wall. And as I was about to go to Australia, me and my wife, I said, she's like, hey, you really need to talk to the owners. We need some more space because we're just getting really crowded. So I go in his office. Check this out. I say, I need to meet with you guys. I want to talk to you about something. They said, it's funny. We want to talk to you. This is how God works. I was like, hey, we're closing the furniture store. I said, what? Yeah, we're closing it. We want to know if you want the rest of the building. And I was like, what? And so, so we stepped into that puppy. We signed the papers. We've been there two months. God is filling it up. We're about to add another service. We added a midweek. And, and, and God is just blessing us so much. And guess what? I didn't have the people to fill it up. I didn't have the money. I didn't have all the resources. But what I did have is some faith like your pastors have and what you have. And we've been in that place two months. We have parking issues like you. And now I don't even think I want to buy it because we're filling it up so fast. So God has something else for us. It's a little short story where we're from in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And God's doing an amazing thing. And it's just really cool to be here with you. And, and, and see what God is doing and, um, and just a short time, the last time I've been here. So I love being with you guys. I tell my church all the time, when you walk through our new home, when you drive by our new home, when, when you talk about our new home, when, when, when you worship in our new home, and when you are serving in our new home, I tell them all the time, you are witnessing a miracle. Amen. And I want to tell you this morning. That when you set foot on that property, you're not just stepping up on another piece of land. When, when you step on that property, you drive by during your lunch break. When you begin to tell your family and your friends that, hey, we got some land on Salem Road. Hey, hey, when you begin to go there for whatever you have meetings or creative stuff, or you just drive by because you need to catch some vision. And, you know, it's amazing. When you catch the vision of God's house, you will begin to have the vision for your own house. And so when you drive by Salem Road, you're not just seeing a bunch of trees and dirt anymore you're witnessing and you're seeing a miracle that's what you're seeing the title of my message today is what will I pick up what will I pick up let's pray father we thank you for this opportunity God you're so good God as we just continue to step in and continue just to open up our hearts to what you have for us this morning God I pray, God, you give us ears to hear, eyes to see. And God, at the end of this 
next couple of moments, God, that we attach our faith to what you're speaking to us about this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Tell your neighbor, what will you pick up today? Everyone's like, I'll bet you better pick that check up today. I'm going to lunch today. Hey, Nehemiah chapter 1, I'm just going to read here, and, and I want to be a good steward of your time. And so is it okay if we just get going in God's word right now? And um, I believe something's going to take place in you, take place in your family, take place in this church, and definitely take place in this city that we love so much called Victoria. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 2, real quick. It says, one of my brothers came to visit me, which is Nehemiah, with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who, who had returned there from the captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the providence of Judah, they are in great trouble. Tell your neighbor they're in great trouble. And disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem have been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Check this out. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant and unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commandments. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. Watch, jump down to verse 10. It says, and the people you rescue, this is what he's saying to God, by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Verse 11, oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put into his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was a cup bearer. Talking about Nehemiah right here. He was a cup bearer. Jump down to chapter two real quick. We're gonna kind of go in the half of uh, verse one. It says, I never before, never before appeared sad in the, his presence, talking to the king, verse two. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Kind of like us sometimes. We come to church. You know, some of us think we're invisible. Some of us think that um, when we come to church, we see, hey, how about those amazing young teenagers you have in the, in the parking lot greeting you as you come in? Come on, that's amazing. Some of us, when we come to church, see, the king saw Nehemiah come to him. Mind you that Nehemiah is a cup barrier, so he was serving the king. So normally when he came to the king, he did not look troubled. You weren't supposed to look that way. So when you came to the king, you better put that smile on. You better fake it till you make it. How many have ever faked it till they make it? Come on, somebody. Come on. And so he, he's, he's coming down to serve the king. And the king says, hey, you look troubled. Kind of like when the pastor asks, how are you doing? You say, I'm blessed. I'm highly favored. And then if you're married, oh, my gosh, the wife squeezes the husband's hand so tight, and she says, I dare you to say the truth. I dare you to say what I just told you in the car. And you just tell the pastor, everything is going good. Come on, how many people have been married long enough to know when your wife kicks you or squeezes your hand, you better keep your mouth shut. Come on. So that's how we kind of approach church sometimes. We come in and we're trying to dodge the host team, trying to dodge the dream team. Uh, we, 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 see, we see so-and-so, and we like, oh, you don't see me. We try to hide behind the corner, and that's when we suck it in and everything. We try to hide, and, and, and the king's like, hey, you look troubled. Well, what's going on with you, Nehemiah? Because this is, this is not the way you come to me to serve me. Let's keep reading. Here we go. Here we go. He said, you don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified. But here, check it out. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, this is Nehemiah talking, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city 
where my ancestors are buried. Crazy story. Here's Nehemiah in chapter one. He comes on the scene. He's just a cupbearer. And he hears news from a city where his ancestors are from. And he hears that the walls are still down. But we don't, what we don't realize is that is this, this happened about 100 years after the time of Moses. Okay, And it actually took place 400 years before the birth of Jesus. So for about a 70-year period of time, the walls were actually considered a ghost town. They were so close to being like in the history books where we read about now, basically an ancient city. So about 1,000 years after the time of Moses and about 400 years before the birth of Jesus, these walls were down. They actually attempted to rebuild these walls. In Ezra chapter 4, between verses 6 to 23, they actually attempted to rebuild these walls. Guess what happened? Their enemy found out. Kind of like the enemy that's finding out that you got some land and knows you're about to build a church that this city needs. And so what happens, they attempt to rebuild these walls. Kind of like us sometimes. We attempt to rebuild some things. We attempt to rebuild our marriage. We, we, we attempt to rebuild our finances. We, we, we attempt just to rebuild our life, period. We, we, we attempt just to rebuild who we are personally. The enemy comes in, begins to whisper, and begins to say things, and begins to surround you around people and things and situations, and life blindsides you. And what happens is once we get that first or second attempt, we don't try again. So the same thing with the people. They tried to rebuild these walls. But because once they were stopped, they felt like the obstacle was too big. So they gave up. Isn't that crazy? But you're not quitters. You don't quit. Your pastor don't quit. Your pastor's wife don't quit. You don't quit. You believe in this city, right? You believe in this generation, right? You, you, you believe in seeing a, a, a hand of, you believe in seeing a move of God to come through the crossroads like never before, right? Because we're not living off the past because we know there's more to God, right? I don't know if you noticed, but we're in 2019 and things have changed. Our city has changed. People are changing. But here's the thing. The situations are still the same. Well, how about we respond a little different this time? How about we give it another try this time? How about we go after God and begin to build a local church like we've never built a local church before? How about we just attempt it a little different? So I want to ask you this morning, what is the it that you don't want to pick up. You see, because it's really easy to drop something. It's easy. It's even easier to start something. How many drive-by fitness people we have in the house? How many wish that somebody would do a drive-through at Planet Fitness? Come on. I know I would. Come on now. Let's just be real. It's easy to drop something. especially with this generation today, I love you people. You're our future. You're so creative. You're you're full of entrepreneur. You're full of creating business. You're full of changing the world. I love you. But we're so quick to just drop something once it doesn't go our way. We are, especially in relationships, especially when the church talks about finances. Talks about buildings, talks about land, begins to share the vision. But, but, but what if that one thing that you're so afraid to pick up today, what if it's that one thing that will change everything? You know, it's even easier to walk over someone. Like when someone's down, come on, we've all done it. Like I, I live in a small town like Victoria. If I go anywhere, like on a Saturday night, I got to grab something before I go home, I put my hoodie on. Not that I'm some cool person and everyone knows me because no one knows who I am, but you just happen to see someone, right? How many of you ever done that before? Like you go in to the store, you want no one to see you because you're focused and you got to go somewhere else, so you are moving, baby. But what happens every time you see someone? And what, how, how many of you guys ever go to the other aisle when you see them in that aisle? Come on. So, 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 so 
what takes place is it's, it's so easy. If I never want to approach that or confront that or deal with that, I can just walk over them. I don't want to deal with that. I'm asking you today, what will you pick up today? You know, there's something I want you to understand this morning is that these walls have been down for over 120 years. You know, I got a granny that's 102 or 103. That's amazing, right? That's why I don't need to go to Beverly Hills. This is good. You know, Botox, my wife, I tell all the time. But 120 years, these walls were down. You know what these walls symbolize? These walls symbolize identity. Tell your neighbor identity. These walls symbolize protection. Tell your neighbor protection. These walls kept their purpose alive. These walls gave them hope. These walls were their stability. These walls were their second chance. Do you know what that new property on Salem Road represents? It represents a church that's going to give people a second chance. It works, represents a piece of property where people are going to come in and worship. Maybe when they don't feel like it. Maybe when they feel like they don't deserve it. Maybe they feel like one of those people, every time I'm, if I go to church, it's going to burn down. How many people know people like that? I'm like, well, if your house hasn't burned down, you're good, bro. Come on. <laughs> Th- these walls represent your church. You see, you think you're just moving locations. No, 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 no. Let, let me clarify something for you. You were faithful with this location. You were worshiping in this location. You were serving in this location. And because of your faithfulness, and your obedience. I was telling one of my family members last night, man, if you guys can grow at a dead end, imagine if you're going to grow on a road where there's no longer a dead end. If, if, you, if you guys can, what you guys are doing where you're at in a cul-de-sac, imagine when, like Pastor Bobby was talking about, God gives you limitless land where you can continue to grow. See, see, but here's, here's where you're at. You're like, man, well, I like it here. It's cozy. <laughs> Come on. Man, I, I don't have to walk that far to get to my seat. Man, what if Pastor Bobby don't see me on Sunday? But what, what if they change the colors of the walls? What if I can't go to Grandy's quick like I can now? Is it open still? I don't know. Okay, good. It's open. I don't know if it's closed. What you don't realize is, is that, that's what I believe. I was at your land this morning for about an hour, just walking around praying. And I saw stuff being burnt already and everything. And I got home. My wife said, where were you? Because I had slip-ons. I shouldn't do that when you're walking in thorns and pastures and stuff. I jumped your gate. Sorry if someone calls the cops. It was your guest speaker. <laughs> Had my music on. I was just worshiping, praying over the land and everything there. What you don't realize is, is that the blessings that God is sending you, the, the, the open doors that God is creating, the resources that God is dropping on your lap, the people that God is sending you, the the, 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 uh, the, the atmosphere that will be created at this new property this property can't hold it so 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 when when you go into a new chapter of your life as a church personally and corporately the things that God has for you this place is too small so so if you're feeling like man I like it here hey guess what you're gonna love the new location so so what you have to realize is is what Salem Road represents. Salem Road represents grace. That property represents restoration. Represents healing. Represents breakthrough. And I know you can think, oh, that's just a good churchy word. How about this? That property breaks pornography. That, that property breaks suicidal thoughts. That property breaks depression. That, that property removes cancer. That property, come on. When I see that lamb, when I was there this morning, 
I did not see just another church with walls and nice things and cool stuff. What I saw is what God could do when we get a bigger net. That's all you're doing. You're getting a bigger net. And every time, our church is only two and a half years old, so I ain't got nothing figured out. I'm still trying to figure it out. We're still babies. We're still diapers. But every time we move location, we've moved location three times in two and a half years. Not because we couldn't afford it. Not because it wasn't working out. Because we are outgrowing it. And every time that we went to another location, man, I'm like, how did we even make it in there? And God is just doing what he's doing here. So when you transition to Salem Road, guess what? That means your net is going to need to get bigger. Later on in chapters, they rebuild these walls in 52 days. Tell your neighbor, 52 days. Tell your second choice, I could have did that. So what they rebuilt in 52 days, they lived with for over 43,000 days. Crazy. From father, watch, to son. From mother to daughter. From from family member to family member. Over 43,000 days they lived with these walls down. Remember, I told you what these walls symbolize. Protection, stability, authority. It kept their purpose alive. That's where their hope was. Every time they went out of their house, they felt like they could be attacked at any moment. They lived this way for over 43,000 days. Family to family. Son to father. Mother to to daughter, decade after decade, handing over the same situation. Kind of like how we live sometimes. Because we don't want to pick it up. So what do we do? We learn to live in it. And we pass it over to generation to generation. So I got these bricks over here. You can't see them. You should have got here early. And you can sit closer. This is what it looks like. It's kind of like our, our households look like sometimes. Oh, this is how it looks when we come to church sometimes. We're so afraid to pick it up. Because you're afraid of once we pick it up, we get judged. Now they know our drama. Now they know our past. Now they know what we're dealing with. So what do we do? We learn to just step over it. And we live our life. When opportunities come, because we don't see any value in it, we just live our life stepping over it. Kind of like this new opportunity that's right in front of you. If you don't see any value in Salem Road and the property and what God has done for you, what will you you'll miss this opportunity today, and you will just step right over it. That's how we live life sometimes, especially when it comes to family. Come on, how many people love their family? Only on Thanksgiving and Christmas, come on. Especially with family. I mean, my family has drama just like yours. So don't, don't think because I'm a pastor, my family don't have drama. I got family. I got drama on both sides. <laughs> because I'm preaching in front of my family. I got more family on my wife's side because they're not here. I got more drama on my wife's side. You can laugh. It's funny. It's good, okay? It's good for you. But look at it. Because we're so afraid to pick it up. Maybe when it comes to our marriage. Maybe, maybe when it comes to our future. Maybe, maybe, maybe when it comes to our finances. Maybe when it comes to us being gener- generous. What do we do? We just step over it. And we live this life just stepping over everything because we see no value in it. Write this down. Key point number one. Write this down. If you don't see the value, you'll never pick it up. If you don't see the value, you'll never pick it up. If you don't see the value in you being obedient in the next couple of moments, you will just step over this opportunity that's right in front of you today. That's okay. God still loves you. God still hears your prayer. God still wants to be in relationship with you. But but in life, we're constantly avoiding things because we think we need new things to replace old things. And and, and what takes place in this atmosphere, in this story right here that we just read about Nehemiah, he goes to a city. And what does he do? 
he begins to rebuild the walls with old things, not new things. See, we think we need a raise before we can be a part of this building. We, we, we think we need to start a new business or we need to get to a certain place in our finances to be a part of this miracle that God has placed in our lap. But what if God wants you to pick it up, what's right around you, and he wants to rebuild it and use it, what God has on your lap right now, and whatever he's trusted you with. What if what's right around you right now, what's in your hand right now, is what God wants you to use. But we, we just like to step over things. We never want to address things. Like, like we, we, we want the restoration, but, but we, we want it on our standards. Come on, I've been with you on this. I, 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 I debate with God all the time. How many debaters in the house? How many love to shout at God when you're not getting what you want? We've all done it. You know, you, you, look, you look at Abraham's life. He hears the promises from God. God promises everything. He tells him that his wife is going to have children. He's the father of our faith. And, and, and it takes almost Abraham 20, to plus, 20 plus years to have his first son, Isaac. And what did Isaac watch from his dad? What did he do? He learned from his dad. He learned how Abraham approached God. And every time Abraham would approach God, even if he messed up, Isaac was watching. And so what does Isaac do? He marries Rebekah. Here comes Rebecca on the scene. I bet Rebecca looked good because he was like, man, I got to saw this girl. I got to marry her right now. <laughs> he gets married at 40 years age. That was a long time. I'm glad I got married at 22. <laughs> and Rebecca is dealing with the same problem that his mother's dealing with. So 20 years go by. He still doesn't have children. You got to remember he had promises from his father. But because... He saw the way his father handled situations. Where's all my man at? Come on. That's why it's important that your kids see you respond a certain way when life hits you. And so what happens is, is because Isaac saw Abraham respond, what does Isaac do in Scripture? He goes to God and he pleads with God. Notice how he didn't send the wife. He sent himself. A lot of times, I saw 120 women coming to this ladies' event. Come on, ladies. That's what I'm talking about. We better see 200 men going to that man's breakfast. And so what happens is, Isaac goes to God, and he pleads with God. Imagine pleading with God. God! My mom dealt with this. I know the promises you gave my father. And I saw what my dad did. God, those promises are for me too. So my wife, I can't take it anymore. I mean, if you've ever dealt with this, it is crazy. You better do something about this, God, because I need to have some children, not only for me, but for my wife. So 20 years go by, and he has a child. That's not the point I'm trying to tell you. What did Isaac see Abraham do? He saw Abraham pick up his promise and do something with it. So what does he do? He picks up his promise and does something with it. But what if Abraham, all he did was do is step over things, never picked anything up, never dealt with anything? What would Isaac do? He would just carry that pattern over. And when life hit him, he would just step over things. Come on, church, you loving this right now? Like, what does this have to do with our Limitless series? I'm going somewhere with this. Watch. I want you to know what's around you right now. I want you to know whether it's broken or whole, there are resources around you right now. But we live this life where we just step over things. You know, I introduced my wife, and I told her she's 18 weeks pregnant. And all you went like, yeah. You were like so happy. Kind of like how you go watch ESPN. All you see is the highlights. You don't see the injuries and the recovery and the discipline and the workouts that took him to do that highlight. So when I introduced my wife. I said she's 18 weeks pregnant. So my wife and I have been actually having children. For, we've been trying to have children for about 13 years. I'll tell your neighbor, that's a long time. That's a long time for my wife just to live with me. <laughs> wife and I have been trying to have children for 13 years. And we moved to Santa Fe, and uh, we, we left everything we knew in California. For some reason, when we got to Santa Fe, it was just hard. It was hard. It was, it's not like we were struggling in marriage, but it was just hard on us. 
And I, I would just be, I had this mindset, God, as long as I keep building your house, I keep, I mean, I put people first, I serve people. I mean, I'm constantly pouring my life and my heart into the local church, been doing it for over 12 years. And finally, we're at a place where we're doing it in Santa Fe, where we're going to raise our family and plant roots. And I just felt like if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And I wouldn't know how to respond to my wife. I wouldn't know what to do. So ladies, if you keep thinking your husband has all the answers, please help him and tell him it's okay, because we don't. And so what I would do is I would get frustrated because I'm naturally a problem solver. If I see a problem, I want to solve it. I want to help it, and I want to dive right, and I'll be right in there with you. So it was very frustrating that I could not help this situation. But what I didn't realize is that my wife and I learned to live in it. So the issue would come up, but I would step over the issue. I would just step over it. So I kept putting God first. I kept honoring God. I kept putting people first. I kept pouring all my life into the local church, into our city, that God was just going to honor me. So years after years, I would just step over it. And finally, God woke me up in March of last year, like 3 or 4 in the morning. I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. He said, do something about it. It was a rough night in our house. And, and sometimes the enemy would always throw those rough nights right before church. And then everybody and their mama at our church is pregnant. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> All my wife's friends. I'm like, guys, get out of here. <laughs> I know it's helping church attendance, but chill out a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. Like, so many people are pregnant. Like, I'm not even joking with you. And every time my wife would get around them, it would be hard for her. Because moms, naturally, what do you do? You talk about your children. And there's nothing wrong with that. Keep doing it. And so my wife would just have a really hard time. And finally, God woke me up in the middle of the night. He said, do something about it. So I woke up. I said, man, I know what I'm supposed to do. I didn't even tell her. I called the doctors in Albuquerque. His name is Dr. Thompson, fertility doctor. I said, hey, we're going to go to a doctor's appointment. She's like, for what? So we're going to see a doctor. Because we've done testing, and they don't find nothing wrong. And so we go see this doctor, and we're going to start fertility. And it's a long process. It's huge. And lots of sh- my wife did over about 200 shots daily for about five months. And her stomach, her thighs, back hip, everywhere, before she comes on stage, before she goes to church, before she has meetings, before whatever, she's injecting herself. And, and, and we said, we're going to do this. And so we went through this doctor. And we begin to have testing and everything. He said, hey, look, your wife's a certain age. I don't know what's going to happen. So when they retrieved the eggs, they were hoping about 15 to 20 eggs. We only got five. So every time the doctor would say, hey, just cross your fingers. I'd be like, man, I don't believe in crossing your fingers. I need you to do something right now. Come on. I'm paying you a lot of money for this. So they took five eggs out. And out of those five eggs, we were just believing for one. We got four embryos. And they take those four embryos, and they send them to the lab to get tested. And they're just like, cross your fingers again. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Crossing fingers and JoJo and Chip were driving me crazy because that's all they said in this doctor's office. JoJo and Chip on TV, cross your fingers. Um, so if you're a JoJo and Chip fan, no offense. I like them too. But after a couple the doctors did this every week for six months, you kind of get like, you got to watch something else. And so... <laughs> Out of those four embryos, two came back 100% healthy. It was a boy and a girl. And so um, we said, okay, we're ready to do this. So we do the whole transfer and everything. They do the transfer. We take the pregnancy test on December 12th. And, and, hey, guys, I don't know how you react, but I put my foot in my mouth. I didn't react the right way. And so um, I said, are you serious? Are you for real? Is this real? Are you, are you tricking me right now? What's going on here? It's like, I'm pregnant. I was like, I didn't know how to respond. Because I knew what was going on, but I didn't know what to do. But I'm telling you that story is because you celebrate her being pregnant, which I thank you for that, seriously. But what we didn't realize is we were living in it, and we were stepping over the issue year after year after year until we picked it up, and we allowed God to give us direction and wisdom. He began to rebuild our family. And so, so you have an opportunity this morning. To 
Stop avoiding the opportunity that God has placed in your lap. We're talking about being generous here. And Pastor Bobby has been going over this series for weeks now. So you've been hearing his heart. You know his heart. You know, we say to our church all the time, we're not trying to get money from you. It's not our job. Seriously, we're trying to get things to you. And so the Bible talks about, it says not to love money. Don't say money's bad. That's where we've kind of twisted a little bit. It's all talking about money. We got a building. We got a land. This is cozy. Let's stay here. It's good. Talks about doesn't love money. Don't let money rule over you. So here's a beauty about God and what I've learned. Is that God wants to work through you this morning. But if you step over this opportunity because you see no value in it, he will just use someone else because the resources are coming and they're going to be here and everything they need to fulfill this dream that you need will come to pass. So why not be a part of it and stop stepping over moments that God gives you because you think you need a new moment to change your current situation? You know, how about step over, don't step over this opportunity because this opportunity is right in front of you could change your life. You see, we think we need a new opportunity to change our situation. But what if the opportunity that's right in front of you right now is the seed that will change your situation? But because we don't see any value in anything, we just continue life stepping over it. And we go on and on. Key point number two, write this down. God can use it if you'll just pick it up. Notice how when Nehemiah rebuilds these walls, he doesn't go get new things. He rebuilds them with the same runes that have been laying there for 120 years. Your pastor wants to rebuild this church with you. Your pastor wants to go build on Salem Road with you. He's not looking for new people. He's not looking for different waves of people to come in. He wants to build this dream. He wants to build this church with you. Nehemiah could have showed up on the scene and said, hey, we need new material. Because this material has been sitting here for 120 years. No, he's like, hey, let's pick up what's around us and let's rebuild this wall with the same stuff that you've been stepping over for 120 years that you saw no value with. Let's pick this up, rebuild it, because what's down there is actually the seed that we need to be up here. So what you don't realize is, is what's around you and what you keep avoiding sometimes in life, especially when it comes to being a blessing, when it comes to giving, sometimes we avoid the subject or we avoid ties and offering. Or is, it's, that's the time you go to the bathroom in the service. Come on. I could talk like this because it's not my church. I don't say this in my church. Someone else does. But you're a generous church. You're a faithful church. It's not about the mountain like your pastor talked about. It's about the sacrifice and what God's telling you to do. Every time my parents had an opportunity to give above. They gave towards their children. People ask my mom all the time, how did you do it? What did you do? All our kids are serving God at different capacities. How did you do it? What did you do? I tell you two things my parents always did. Three things. They were really consistent, even when I hated it. They prayed a lot. And they gave a lot. And now, when my mom sees me preach every Sunday, she hears my brother and my sister and all her siblings, it's all because they sowed seed. They saw an opportunity. Instead of stepping over it, they actually gave to it. And now my mom gets to witness every single weekend and here in Texas and in Santa Fe of the opportunities that she gave the opportunities that she didn't step over, that she actually released what was around her. And so, you know, (laughs) 
Maybe you don't see value in what's around you right now. Maybe you don't see value in your job. Maybe you don't see value in the resources that God has given you. Maybe you think it has no worth. Maybe you think there's no hope in it. Maybe you think it doesn't matter. See, Luke chapter 1, verse 37 says, not one promise from God is empty. Not one promise from God is empty, for nothing is impossible with God. You have promises all around you. Maybe at one moment, they were in your hands. But because life hits you, you drop them. And because you think you don't need that anymore, it has no value, you just step over them. And you go through life hurling over things. And when an opportunity comes, you just step right over it. You know, I, I look at your faces and I, looked, I saw you worship. You know, Nehemiah was a cup barrier. They didn't have some high education. They didn't have his master's, his doctrine. They didn't come from a rich area. Maybe Nehemiah worked at Formosa. Maybe Nehemiah was working at the plants. Maybe Nehemiah was a rancher. Maybe Nehemiah was a business owner. Maybe Nehemiah worked in the oil field, the local lumber yard. Maybe Nehemiah thought to himself, what could I do? I'm just a cupbearer. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, what could I do to, to help build this church? I just work at, I just work six tens at the plant. What could I do? Maybe what you could do is look what's around you and see what God has placed in your life. And maybe instead of stepping over it this time, you hear from God and you pick it up. And if everyone does their part in their own way, watch what you'll witness in the crossroads of Victoria. Just watch. Just watch. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a boy that grew up in Victoria, Texas. Dad walked out of him. I'm just like you. Now God has me in places I never thought I could dream of or, or do. I'm just a boy that just came from the same streets like you. I drive around this town, and I see places where I rode my bike. I see places where I played ball. I see places where we used to live, and, and I'm just, just like you. But what happens is when we come together, we come together, and when we drive down Salem Road, we don't see a dead end. We see a right turn, and we turn right into that property. But we don't, we don't just see another pasture with cows on it. We see dirt. We see potential life change. We see potential miracles. We see potential marriages being restored. We see potential people encountering God. You know, I used to drive down Salem Road. Check this out. And some of you may have done it too. I don't know. You won't admit it though, but I will. We used to go to that bridge down there. And that's where we would get away with a lot of stuff. And do stupid stuff. I never thought in a million years that I'd be going down that same road, turning right and praying over a piece of land like I did this morning. You know? Never thought. But if I didn't learn to pick up whatever opportunity God has for me, I would never be here today. If I kept living my life like we do sometimes, just stepping over opportunities and thinking we need new things, new houses, new trucks, new relationships, new people, new things, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Your pastors wouldn't be here. In a couple of moments, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. Before you do, I need you to understand something. I asked your team, isn't your team amazing? Yeah. To get me some soil from your property. 
That's what I asked. Like, why do you want soil? You see, a seed cannot grow without soil. When I was at your property this morning praying, I didn't just see dirt. When I see this soil, I see the promises of God. I see, I see, ho, ho, ho. I see generation after generation being broken. I see people finding freedom, joy. I see people finding purpose. I, I, I see people answering the call of God on their life. I see, I see, come on. I see pastors, teachers, evangelists. I, I, I see, I see, I see worship leaders. I see children's pastors. Uh, I, I, I see, I see, come on. I see, I see people, Pastor Bobby, that maybe used to be a bouncer in a nightclub, walking into, driving on Salem Road, hearing your story, finding hope, finding that the tomorrow can be better than today. I see people. I got one more for you. I see sons. Finding their true father. I see daughters. I see daughters finding their worth. I see daughters finding out who they are. I see daughters no longer hiding. I see sons. I see athletes, I see teachers, I see principals, I, I see business owners coming from all over the crossroads, driving on Salem Road to come into a place. A place where they can be themselves. So when you drive by and you walk on that soil, you're not just walking on another field. You're walking on the potential and the limitless opportunities and what God is going to do through you. Amen. Write this down. Stay standing. The soil is the preparation ground for a limitless opportunity. But an opportunity, watch, watch, watch. An opportunity is not developed unless a seed is planted. It's not. It's just soil. The seeds can't grow in our hands. Once you release your seed... It, get God, it gives God permission to grow it. When you release, see, because, Pastor, I hear you talking about the church a lot. What about me? Pastor, what about me? When you release your marriage, it gives God permission to grow it. When, when you release your depression, it gives God permission to heal it. When you release your circumstance, it gives God permission to speak to the storm. You have to release it. So when you release your seed this morning, you are giving God permission to develop the opportunity that he has for you. And you're not just building another church. You're building the kingdom. Every time you gather on a Sunday, you know what you're doing? You're increasing the attendance of heaven. Every time you gather, you're not just coming here to check a box. You're not coming here to make sure everyone sees you show up to church. You're not coming over here because you need to get something. Yes, God is into the giving business. But you never experience the giving until you walk into the obedience. 
And when you walk into obedience, you won't step over an opportunity. And when you no longer make up your mind not to step over an opportunity, you will look down and you will pick it up because you see value in it and you allow God to rebuild it. You know, I believe in your pastors. I believe in this city. I believe in this city. I love this city. This city has done so much for me. So when you give this morning, step over it pick it up because maybe your family's not where it should be that's from that's where I'm at but maybe when you give you thought you were giving to buildings and for construction maybe look at the soil and see potential people stepping foot on this when they step up foot on this, the Holy Spirit hits them like it's never hit them before. And when they step foot on this property, they will hear songs from heaven. They will experience love. They, they will begin to see people that's created in God's image. They'll be able to see people. Come on. Pastor Bobby, you come up. I'm just going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for your pastors. Hey, uh, thank you for letting me be with you. Um, We're going to pray for you and pray for your pastor. And, you know, I went, Pastor Bobby, I told him I was going to be here for a week because my brother just had a baby. And um, I was like, I'll be here for this and that. And when he wanted me to be here for you on Sunday, I was like, well, it's kind of like a big deal. It's a big history moment. See, they've been praying and believing for this moment for over 10 years. And God knew you would be here today. They've been having to pick things up year after year even when they had to pick it up by themselves. But now they're at a place. They got amazing children. Now they got amazing people like you. Now they don't have to pick up things by themselves. Now you're going to pick up your part. And your pastors are picking up their part. And when all of you come together, when you drive on that property, I can't wait to see it. I love it. I was there this morning. I loved it. He was just showing me where things was going to be a couple days ago. I'm going to remember that you didn't step over this opportunity. You picked it up and you allow God to do what God wants to do with it. And so I believe something's going to take place. Wherever you're faced at this morning, I pray you're going to put action towards it and respond. And some of you already know what you're giving because you've been going through this for weeks. Hey, my church, hope you see, we want to pledge for a year. We'll fill it out. We want to support you guys for a full year. Um, we believe in what you guys are doing. I love what you guys are doing. So we'll make sure we do that because um, I believe in this. And um, it's crazy what God is doing. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm going to pray for your pastor. And that way you guys can go on. Come on, if everyone lift their hands up to heaven right now. God, we thank you for being in this place, God. You're a miracle-working God. God, we honor you this morning. God, right now, God, whatever we've been avoiding, whatever we've been stepping over, whatever we haven't been seeing value in, God, show us what to pick up. Show us what we need to pick up and allow you to rebuild, God. God, show us the opportunities that are right in front of us this morning, God. God, when we look at this opportunity, when we look at Salem Road, God, we're not just looking at another field. We're looking at potential. We're looking at restoration. We're looking at healing. We're looking at breakthrough. We're looking at salvations. We're looking at heaven rejoicing, God. God, when we step on this property, God, let it represent you, God. Let us experience heaven on earth, God. Let us walk into this new facility and this new piece of land, God, with joy, with peace. God, we think of this amazing pastor, his heart, his faithfulness. Father, we thank you for the dark moments. We thank you for the late nights. We thank you for the, for, for the, for the moments where no one will ever know and they don't need to know. But God, we thank you for the faithfulness and the consistency and the faith in this next generation, God. God, and the ability to see things 
10 years from now, not just tomorrow, but 10 years from now, God. God, we thank you that, God, you show this pastor, Pastor Bobby, when to step, when to turn left, when to turn right, when to move forward and when to stand still, God. God, we thank you for peace in this next chapter. And we thank you for resources from north to the south, from the east to the west, God. We thank you for the windows of heaven to open up on Salem Road, God. And God, when they do open up, God, this church will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.